0: Now uh, the with a shot saved by Old Mark.
1: Coming around is Bedard, He scores! His first National Hockey League goal!
0: Welcome to episode 98 of Off The Rush, the Connor Bedard edition of Off The Rush. Last week, Dave, was episode 97. We didn't mention it, and we didn't mention the greatest hockey player on God's green earth, Connor McDavid. How big of a fail is that on 1 to 10? (laughs) I,
2: I think it's so funny. We ended the podcast, and we were texting you, me, and Alan, and we were like, yeah, you know, like hardly, like no rust at all. We were super good. Like that was, you know, like we just, you know, came right back into it. And then like a few minutes went by and I was like, what
0: episode was that? We didn't say the number. <laughs> and-, <laughs> and it's like the biggest player ever. Now, uh, it's a two man booth. Alan may join us in progress. Um, So it's going to be a little Canucks heavy because whenever it's just me and Dave left in a room together, that happens. Connor McDavid, we snubbed him in the first episode. He plays the Canucks twice in the first week of the season does not go well for Connor McDavid. Uh, Did we jinx him? Did we curse him? How did you see those first two games? And what did the Canucks do well to to limit the damage? Like, I think he had one goal uh, over two games. That's impressive. You know, and the goal he had was, like, a goal mouth
2: scramble. And there was, you know, seven bodies lying in the paint. And it just squirted out to him. And he had an empty net. So, like, you know, the type of goals that we're used to seeing him score... You know he didn't have any real great chances uh, in his typical sort of fashion, which was great to see. You asked a whole bunch of questions right there, so I'm gonna try and do this. Um, I gotta say I was not impressed with McDavid after Game One, complaining about Tockett and and <laughs> the the questionable choices that were made. I mean, I get it, but just last year in the opening game, the Canucks were up three to nothing and then lost that game. This is the Edmonton freaking Oilers with the two most potent offensive guys in the league. They can score 3 goals in a period. They could score 4 goals in a period. And then and then and then to complain, you know, that the 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 question the you know, they were complaining about talk it, but when really like Seidel, who I got a beef with him too. Drysdale last year in the playoffs you remember when Petrolangelo came down with that huge slash on his arm? Yeah. And then he, he wouldn't shake his hand in the uh, you know, at the end of the series and stuff like that? Okay. They're down what, six one in the opening game, and Drysidle takes two major cross checks to Vancouver Canucks players in vulnerable situations, and a slash to the back of the knee, he does to one of our defensemen. And then they wonder why they throw out the first unit power play. Like, give me a break. Like I don't I don't have time for it.
0: No, I don't have time for it either and like quite frankly like if you're asking for mercy uh that's loser talk. And you know, it's your fault for falling behind in those games 7-1 and 8-1, right? Like you have no one to blame but yourself. Um and it's early in the season too. Like I think part of it like the Canucks didn't get into this, but um you know, you want to get reps in for your number one guys. It's the first game of the season. It's it's like extra practice to get your power play out there and to get it fine-tuned. Um and, you know, like, yeah, is it like kind of an unwritten rule when you're running the score up not to put your number one guys out there? Yeah. But like, have the Oilers been guilty of running up the score on lots of teams? You know, absolutely. They We've seen them do it before with like McDavid and and Drysaddle padding their stats in garbage time. It's they're not like they're not exempt from this. Like and, you know, like you said. Last year, the Canucks were up 3 nothing and gave the lead back. The Oilers are never out of it until the game is over with their amount of firepower uh, that they have. So I had no problem with the Canucks running guys out there. I also had no problem with McDavid calling it out, especially on a back-to-back. He's trying to fire up boys. He's trying to get a little bulletin board material going. Um, so I think it's a bit of gamesmanship in there. I don't think he like was as butthurt about it as he was making it out to be. mean
2: um sure i mean i totally agree with that part but i just look at it and go it's not talk its fault that you weren't ready to play a hockey game yeah no you were def- and you're the ca- you're the captain of that team now now did he swing that and did the oilers come out on firing on all cylinders in game 2 absolutely they did like the canucks did. were under fire for the first like 6 7 minutes and then ultimately they were under fire for most of the game like the the high danger scoring chances were, were something like twenty twenty one or twenty two to like five. The Canucks scored on four of them. <laughs> <laughs> you know and and Edmonton didn't. but like the, we, the Canucks got badly outplayed in that second game. Like oh, badly wow. outplayed
0: but but they' found a way to win. and in years past, a team like that, even up in the third period, would find a way to give it away. Um, and they got badly outplayed, but you could see the structure in there. And there was a guy that, like, I was not on board with them signing, who I've already changed my tune on. Uh, Ian Cole. I was not a fan of that acquisition at all, and I couldn't take my eyes off of him on the penalty kill and how great he is—is is getting his stick in the lanes, getting his body in the lanes. He's never running around. He's never chasing the play. The guy's just a smart hockey player, uh, not flashy, but smart and something they badly needed um so, so i i love so, i love yeah, like, his game last on, night
2: on top of that like you're totally right like ian cole's been amazing and i just i look at this management group and for anybody who sits <laughs> there and naysays the canucks and like you know and it's just fed up from 10 years of crappy management like you talk about just sneaky quiet good that's yeah. this management group like even picking up lafferty You know, last minute and screwing over their cap in the process to do so, they determined that screwing over their cap short term and sending a guy like Stanika down and hoping he just clears waivers was worth the risk to pick that guy up. And I'd say like the early indications are that they knew exactly what they were doing.
0: Well, he's a guy that that Alvin drafted when he was um, assistant GM in Pittsburgh. Like they know him well. He played well in Toronto last year, and that was a glaring need. Like they needed a proper fourth line center that can kill penalties. They didn't have it, so yeah, screw up your cap a little bit. You're gonna if you lose Studnika, you lose Studnika. I like Studnika's game. He scored as well, a beauty uh, last night. But like you know, wingers like that, you can always replace them if you need to. Um, and yeah, they'll get Garland. Garland's doing a great job of showcasing himself. He's played pretty well the first two games. I think he'll be gone within the next couple of weeks and they'll be okay. Um, But yeah, didn't play great. Casey DeSmith, We got to talk about him before we move on from the Canucks. How good was he last night?
2: So did I not say this on the last podcast? Like I was watching this guy in training camp and he said just, he looked solid. He looked really good. His, his movement along the ice. Now he's no Thatcher Demko. But, but he is like, he looked very, very good. And I, and then you look at him play in the preseason. Then you look at him play last night. And I mean, the guy can play. He's never had lower than a 900 save percentage. Like a 906 is like his lowest career, uh, you know? And I just, I look at him and I'm like, finally, I'm hoping anyway, that finally we have in Vancouver, a backup goaltender, who is good because we thought Halak coming in was going to be able to do that. And Halak played like garbage. And, you know, Martin, Martin had a good run as the backup, but then totally faltered last year and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, and now he's out the door. And so, uh, but I look at DeSmith and, you know, to give him game two is interesting because I love talk. It's thinking it's gotta be this, Hey, we won the first one if we lose the second one with the Smith and net, Oh, well, we're going with Demko into game two against Philly. And we're going to hope to bank those points. We're going to end up two wins and one loss. Or if he stands on his head and, and, and wins. I look <laughs> like a genius. Like, <laughs> I look like a genius. And we're going into game three against Philly with Demko and in that instead of, you know, which is a game that like they need to win. They need, they've to got, win. The they've got some finals.
0: winnable. There's some winnable games on this trip. Like there's, There's no excuse for them not to go three and two now on this trip. Like you've got, you've got Philly's a winnable game. St. Louis is a winnable game. Nashville's a winnable game. You're on the road. You're going to drop probably one game you should win, but they should be able to pick up two more wins on this trip. And that would be a success. If you pick up two wins on this trip, you're starting the year four and two. That's house money compared to how the Canucks started last year, breaking (laughs) a record. Oh, five and two and bre- breaking records in the process of giving up multiple goal leads. Like I'll take it, man. It's just nice to, it's nice to be two games in and not talking about how the sky is falling. Cause that's what we've been doing. Uh, and it's been fun. Like I've had a lot of, I don't know about you, Dave, but I've had a lot of fun just watching other games. Um, uh, Toronto and Montreal on Wednesday night played one of the best season openers I've ever watched. It was unbelievably good hockey. Uh, just back and forth, Cole Caulfield doing amazing things out there. And then you got to talk about Austin Matthews, two hat tricks in two games to start the year for the Leafs. He's got six goals already. Um, you know, probably the heir apparent to being the best goal scorer in the league once Ovechkin retires. Like, do the Leafs have something this year, or are they still short a goalie? Like, it can Austin Matthews carry them into like the conference finals if he's going to play like this all year. So, like, last year, everybody was dogging
2: on Matthews because he didn't have a great year to everybody's standards. He's like right? 46
0: goals is an off year. <laughs> like, that's amazing. <laughs> exactly. And, like,
2: here he is. He's starting off with six. Um, You know, the one thing that I would say is, yeah, that game, that, that season opener against Montreal was a very exciting, like, just incredible hockey game, great atmosphere. But 6-5? For in a shootout win, right? Yeah, and 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 and, uh, uh, Matthew scores in the final minute, right, to take it to overtime, and then against the Wild, they only they win seven to four. So like they're putting up lots of goals, but they've also allowed four point five goals per game over the first two games.
0: Yeah, so it, it it kind of feels like the same old issue, and it's kind of like going back to Edmonton too. Like we watched we. We saw Jack Campbell for a hot minute and Stuart Skinner and, and neither of them looked particularly good. Like why, I guess like I'm trying, what I'm trying to ask you is like, I can't figure out why these general managers think like, like why for living and, and, and Holland think they can get away with shitty goaltending when they have trade chips in the cupboard. Like you don't need to score six and seven goals to win hockey games you could trade a Zach Hyman if you're in Edmonton. You could trade William Nylander if you're in Toronto. Um, because in the playoffs, those goals aren't there. No matter how much talent you have up front, they're just not there. Like, why Why won't they make a move and pick up a proper goaltender?
2: Well, it's a copycat league, right? And look who won the cup last year Aiden Hill. Yeah. So, you know, like I, and also we ask about Trey Living. Well, he's just walked into cap hell. Right. I mean, how are you supposed to get yourself a good goalie when, you know, nobody's going to trade for John Tavares? No, right? like if you're if you're trading William Nylander, like you're not just getting a goalie back, like you're getting like a sick package back for William Nylander. Now they went out and they paid money for Tyler Bertuzzi and Max Domi to, to fill out the to fill out the ranks on the forward group. Um, and they could have maybe allocated some money somewhere else. But look who was on the free agent market for goaltenders last year. Like what Christian Jari was the best
0: <laughs> was the best. Is that right?
2: Frederick yeah. Anderson.
0: Yeah, that was right. Yeah. But like, you know, I would have even maybe taken a look at because he played so well at the end of the year with Vegas. Like, why not bring in Jonathan Quick on a cheap deal, especially if you're capped out? Like, what, I don't like... think Jonathan, I, I I don't know.
2: I disagree with you. I think Jonathan Quick is, I mean, he's obviously past his prime. He's a smaller goaltender. He's not as quick as he Ah. used to be Mm. terrible sorry guys but like but I just you know he's just I I think you need to go with younger and bigger goaltending and by committee if you're going to be a team like Toronto or even like Edmonton like I mean the thing with you know you give the example of trading Hyman for somebody but Hyman is a hell of a hockey player Hyman is one of those guys that can help Edmonton win playoff series truly he is one of those like killers in the playoffs. I would not want to give him away. You know, Maybe. I'd be I'd be trying my best to trade Nurse. Just you know, just, just simply to no get one. Happily. He's
0: like he's like the Tavares of Edmonton. No one's gonna take Darn no, Darnell Nurse. Totally, isn't even the totally. best defenseman on his team anymore.
2: No, and he certainly isn't a nine million dollar. Uh, you know, nine point two
0: five million dollar. <laughs> for That's how many a col- more years? That like, um, oh, like like eight more years. That's a contract that we don't talk about enough about how bad it is. But I just want to go. I want to go back to second year because you always you always you, there's guys that Dave Hoskin does not like. And Dave Hoskin likes to bash on Tristan Jerry. Tristan Jerry has played 208 NHL games uh, and he has a save percentage career, save percentage of 914. His save percentages in the last four years since he's been in the NHL every single like for a whole season full time. 921 909 919 909 and this year he's off to a 944 start in two in two games. He's a good goaltender, man. Tristan hey, Jerry not... is a top top 15, top half of the league. Uh I'm not saying that he's not like a
2: reasonably good goaltender. Okay, but he's certainly not like and he's a North Delta kid. Where's your loyalty? Okay, hang well, hold the phone, okay. I do recall two playoffs ago, not last year because Pittsburgh didn't make it, but two playoffs ago. If we roll back the tape, you trashed on Jari and you called him losing that playoff series for Pittsburgh, and then it happened, and then you totally made sure we all knew about it. So don't come. At me. I know, but you make you make it out like <laughs> you make it out like he's some kind of sieve, and I actually no like... no no no. Yeah. I, I don't. I, I, okay. I didn't mean to say that. I, I, what I'm saying though is that if you're a team like Toronto or, you know, who already has Matt Murray, who has or had
0: Matt Murray, do yeah, they, he's have, done. Do they still
2: have Matt Murray anyway. I, he's <laughs> he's he LTIR,
0: has, and from what I've heard, he might not ever be back. Like, yeah, might, but he's a guy who has
2: a- two Stanley Cups and they have him or had him as their goaltender. So, like, you bring in a guy like Christian Jari, are you, he's no hellebuck. He's not no. Demko. He's not no. Ottinger. He's not—he's not any of these goaltenders who you you really can feel like you can trust for a number of years going forward. Christian mm. Jari, to me, and I think probably to you also, I don't don't want to put words in your mouth, but you can agree or disagree. Somebody like Christian Jari, I would be really cautious about giving like a five-year contract to, because I just don't know if he's going to pan out that well in the long run, or if he's going to turn into like a Campbell and then you're stuck with him. Like Edmonton
0: we, is. we talk about goaltending on the show a lot and we talk about it because it's such a pivotal position and adding Seattle to the league that I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but adding two more jobs to the league really thinned out the herd. Like there's not yeah, and, a lot. And Vegas. Yeah. And, yeah. And Vegas. So over the last like four years, they've added four jobs and that's thinned out the herd a lot. That's a lot more coverage from the goalie union. And so these guys aren't that, that, easy to come by. So like, if it depends on what you've got in the pipe, like if you're a team without a stud goalie prospect in the pipeline, locking a guy like Jari down for five years might not be the worst thing because he's top 15. Like he's, is he the best? No. If you have a really good team, like could he be, could he have won the cup with Vegas last year? Yeah, he could have absolutely with that D in front of him and and that team. I think that he, I, I think Tristan Jerry, could be a Stanley Cup winner like Darcy Kemper was, like Aiden Hill was, like Corey Crawford was in Chicago. He's good enough to win a cup if you've got a great team. Now guys like Demko, they can get an average team into a deep run at the playoffs that they don't deserve to be there, and he could steal you a cup. Like Jonathan Quick was probably the last goalie to do that in the NHL in the first Kings run. They had no business winning the Stanley Cup. They were the eighth seed, and he they just rode Quick the whole way and he won a con Smythe Trophy and won a Stanley Cup. But, like, those guys are limited. But even that next tier, like we're talking about, there's not enough of them. Like, there's some teams out there this year, good teams, like Toronto, like Edmonton, I would even say New Jersey, good teams that should be, like, locks to be in the Final Four that don't have suitable NHL goaltending on their teams. It's just, it's a problem. Um, but going back to Matthews, man, like, what is... Could he hit 70 goals? He's hit 60-plus in his career. And it's early. It's like game two. But he's got the new contract, so he's relaxed. I think last year that was a distraction for him. I mean, you know, do you think it's impossible?
2: Oh, it's not impossible. But uh, it's a a long season. And, you know, they started off the year against the Montreal Canadiens, who are not expected to be very good this year. Uh, you know, they're still a very young team, yeah. The wild are, are caught in their cap hell window. Right oh, yeah, right they, now they're the most the capped playoffs. out
0: team ever. Oh,
2: oh, it's wild, right? And so, I mean, th- these are the first two, teams. and the wild are still expected to be a pretty decent team, so like that's that's <clears> impressive. Um, you know, and the next team they play is the Blackhawks, you know, you, know, you compare that to let's say Vancouver, who played Edmonton. The first two games of the season, like, I don't know if any other team in the league had a harder schedule
0: than the Vancouver Canucks. Just no, did. and they have a five-game road trip, too, as their and reward. They, yeah, right. But, but if they can get out of this 4-2, and anyway, we're going back. But, like, I don't know. It's it's going to be entertaining. One of the nice things, too, at the beginning of the year, um, Chicago Blackhawks-wise, is they had Berdard go up against Crosby in his first game, and the Blackhawks win, which was awesome. Then he goes into Montreal on a Saturday night. That was a fun game last night, too. The Habs pulled it out. Good to see Tanner Pearson score. Um, He had a rough go in Vancouver. It was nice to see him score. But now Bedard's going into Toronto next. Uh, I think that's incredibly smart for the NHL to get him into these markets early. Um, Oh, Alan is joining us. Um, I don't know. It's like, how how exciting has Connor Bedard been for you this year so far? And has he lived up to the hype? You know, I gotta say, like he,
2: I really like the kid. I really like his demeanor. I, I've said this before. Uh, he is so skilled with the puck, and he can be a one-man show. But his youth is still is showing in spades, like his his holding on to the puck for way too long, not using his teammates for give and goes, like you know, putting shots on net from all over the place, like all these. And it's great, don't get me wrong, but. Like you know, I he has a lot to learn, you know. And does that mean I don't like him, or I'm not excited to watch him, or whatever? Not at all. Of course, I am. He's amazing.
0: But those are the things that I'm noticing so far. Dave doesn't like guys named Connor. Alan joining the show. <laughs> um, Connor Bedard in your barn last night at the Bell Center. Uh, is he living up to the hype so far? How good a how good a start has Bedard been? Like on a scale of one to ten for you. What is he at in terms of hitting his expectations and how much fun has he been to watch?
1: I mean, for me, like he's, he's right where I would expect him to be. He's the phenom and and you think he's going to come in and play every day. And he's done that. Um, I didn't expect him to come in and set like the NHL on fire point wise, just because a, it's a much more physical league than what you would see in junior. He's been in junior for however many years now, so he's used to the ins and outs, and so that's allowed him to dominate a little bit on top of his worldly skill. Uh, but he's also he's he's a lot smaller than I thought he was gonna be. Like I watched him in junior, and there he looks he, he looks fine physically and doesn't look out of place, but then he put him against men, and and that's the big thing that stuck out to me watching him in his first few games is that he is so much smaller than a I thought.
0: Yeah, he's a lot smaller than I thought, too. That was kind of what stood out to me as well. Um, we were talking about uh, Matthews and and his exploits against the Habs in the wild. Your Montreal Canadiens, Alan, are off to a 1-0-1 start. They looked pretty good against Toronto in that they were resilient and they hung in there. Uh, they hang in there against Chicago and eke out a win what are you, What's your assessment of your Le habitat to start the season?
1: They learned a very valuable lesson or uh, Wednesday against the Leafs and that no lead is safe in the NHL and you have to play a full 60 minutes. And then they took that lesson into the Saturday against Chicago and they got up 3-0 and all of a sudden Chicago clawed back in and you thought, okay, here we go again. But they showed that they learned from Wednesday. They were able to lock it down. And I think this team is going to be better than people give them credit for just looking at the pieces. And I know that Kirby docks out already um, after what looked to be a seemingly harmless hit. But yeah. um, there's a lot of young talent there. There's a lot of young talent that's going to be coming through the system that's in Laval right now. And I think that the future in a year, year and a half, is going to be very, very good for Montreal Canadian fans. And as I said on our first podcast, I don't expect them to be in the playoffs. And I think if, if you're thinking they're going to be knocking at the door of the playoffs this year, you're a little bit crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, they still need a, a bona fide number one goaltender because they don't have that. But there are a ton of good pieces that could, that could set up for three, four, five years of, of solid contention.
0: I thought Montembeau looked really good uh, last night, didn't you?
1: He looks, he looked real good, and he has flashes where he looks out of this world good. And then you'll blame him for like three, four games in a row, and it starts to come back down to earth, which is why I said they need a bona fide starting goaltender. Now, I I'm hoping that Sam Montembeau like proves me wrong and and has figured this consistency thing out after his appearance at the World Championships for Canada and uh, a year that he had last season where he saw a ton of action. Maybe he's figured it out. Maybe he's gone into the off season and said, okay, this is what I have to do to become a starter in this league and a true number one net minder, because so much of being a goalie, like we talk about it, hockey, it's so much mental, so much physical, but it's even more so for the goalies, a mental game. And maybe that's part of it. Maybe he's his mental approach this year has to be different than it has been in the past. And he put the time in the gym and I'm hoping that he can come in and maybe, steal that number one role and they can deal Jake Allen for some pieces and and continue to build.
0: Yeah, no, it it, you know, and I just love watching Marty St. Louis coach that team. It's just so much fun uh, having him in the league and, and mentoring. I think like Cole Caulfield's career was saved by Martin St. Louis.
1: There's so many like old school hockey coaches and old school members of like the coaching fraternity who hated the hire. And the reason they hated the hire, because he does everything that you're, taught not to do and that's why they hate it and that's why he's so good for players in today's game because players in today's game are completely different from players that were five ten years ago the approaches are different the way you handle them are different and he gets it
0: yeah and I don't think Marty's asking for anybody's phone (laughs) (laughs) um Yeah, uh, we were going to, we've been talking Pittsburgh heavy before you joined us, Alan, but um, Evgeny Malkin is turned back the clock and is just putting up points like nobody's business. You talked about this uh, maybe being a potential last dance situation for those boys in Pittsburgh. Um, So far, so good for them. Two and one. Uh, Do you think that like Malkin could hit another hundred point season one more time?
1: I think like we saw Jordan Pippen Rodman in the last dance. I think we're going to see the hockey version here with these uh three guys in Latang, Malkin and Crosby. They're what? The the only three like professional athletes since Jeter, Posada and Rivera from the Yankees who have like been together 18 years, which is in yeah. today's today's age of sports where loyalty and staying with one team are like afterthoughts for all these guys it's remarkable and i think i i do think that we're going to see kind of one last push from the penguins here and kyle Dubis, he's at the helm and i think there's a lot at stake for him because in in toronto everybody said well dubas can't do it dubas can't do it so he he got it hung on him at the end of the season him and shanahan had it out he left fired whatever you want to dub it he's not there anymore he's in pittsburgh and i think this is a big prove-it year for him and what better time to do it than Sidney crosby on the back nine of his career of Guinea Malkin on the back nine of his career and Chris Latang on the back nine of his.
0: I'm, I'm going to throw this out there for both of you guys. Let's start with Dave, but like, do you think speaking of Dubis and like pulling out all the stops, if they could make it work with the contract, how would Patrick Kane fit into a team like the Pittsburgh Penguins?
2: Oh, I mean, it. I love it, but it also kind of gives me New York Rangers late '90s vibes,
1: or like or, early two thousands
2: Rangers vibes.
1: You know, I don't think they need. I don't think they need Patrick Kane. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, Andre. I thought you were going to say Mark Andre Fleury though. Well,
0: I like. <laughs> yes. Before you joined us, we talked about Tristan Jerry a lot. I like Tristan Jerry. I think that they're fine in net. Um, I would like to see. Like, they got Alex Nedelkovic, who's, like, sketchy Terrible. as hell. Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah, very sketchy behind Tristan Jari. So, like, you know, maybe that makes sense if Flower wants to get out of Minnesota. Although, Flory seems to really like it there. He's been talking about how much his family likes playing there. Um, so, that's interesting. Um, but what about, okay, well, I'll dub it down a little bit. What about Phil Kessel? Yes. Yeah.
1: Do it. Sign him. <laughs>
2: I hate to be like. The naysayer who comes in here, but they currently only have a twenty-two man roster and have a hundred and seventy thousand dollars of cap space. So, how are they?
1: Yeah, Phil yeah, just. Would, he just
2: wants to play, but Kaner won't.
0: Yeah, no, I'm really surprised that Phil Kessel has not been signed. Like, I know he didn't have the best season last year, but he still has a lot to offer, and he's good in the room. Like, are you guys the guys talk these- about him in the room and yeah. like?
1: Like, I I was watching an interview with, uh, I think it was Jonathan Marcheseau, and, like, he, he quoted when they were um, playing Florida, and he he did oh, his yeah. Phil Kessel impression, and he's like, if you guys make me go back to Florida again, oh, you guys.
0: You finish it tonight. I'm not going back. I'm not <laughs> flying across the country again. But, like, yeah, yeah like, I, I just have a hard time. Like, I know he wouldn't ask for a ton of money. The guy just wants to play. I just have a really hard time imagining that, that there's 32 teams that don't need Phil Kessel. Like certainly like, you know, a team like rebuilding young teams wouldn't necessarily want to waste a roster spot on that. But like some of these contending teams, it, you know, I, I think it's probably a situation where they're waiting to see how injuries pile up or don't pile up. I think if you see like a top six, forward on a good team, go down for an extended period of time. But like, I'm just really surprised that he wasn't signed before camp. I'm like very surprised.
2: Well, I mean, we do have a bunch of teams who are playing undermanned right now, like a bunch. There's like five or seven teams that are a 22 man roster. One team's at like a 21 man roster. So like there's, those are NHL jobs, right? That that don't exist right now. Uh, and so I think that does play a factor, but you know, the thing with Phil is uh, like he played all 82 last year until the playoffs when it really mattered. And then the golden Knights were like, okay, you can sit down now.
0: Yeah. Like, but on they, the best team in the world, like I'm think like, I don't know, like with Taylor Hall injured now in Chicago, like why not give Bedard someone like Phil the past two
1: is Phil that, a leader though. Like that are, could are, be are, legendary.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: but here's the real question that i have is is phil a leader or is he a guy who goes into an established room and makes people laugh and keeps things light and if he is the second then why would you want him in a chicago blackhawks dressing room when you're trying to teach these young kids like true professionalism and grind and all that sort of stuff.
0: I'll tell you why. I have an answer for that. He is the second thing. He's not a leader. He's he's comic relief. The Blackhawks are going to be fun to watch this year, but they're going to lose a shit ton of hockey games. Like, And as the season goes, it's a grind, especially on a guy like Bedard. So why not have a guy ride shotgun with him who's going to give Bedard options to pass to, which will be fun for him to play, play with, and, and will, like, provide some levity to what otherwise is going to be a very frustrating year. Uh, and a great guy to have a beer with. Uh, speaking of beers, uh, it's Sunday night. I've got a nice Whistler grapefruit ale going. It's clean. It's crisp. It's fruity, like me. Alan, what are you drinking tonight in Wellington, Ontario? Uh,
1: I have my buddy James Reddy, 5.5 over here. And when you go to your sporting events, whether it's a baseball game, football game, or a hockey game, Or maybe you're just watching your kids game. Make sure you save a seat for James Reddy because you cannot leave him out of your most important life moments.
0: I like that. Uh, Davy boy, what you drinking with your shitty Beatles t-shirt?
2: I'm drinking. I'm going to pull an Alan right here. I'm going to do my best impression of Alan. Okay. I'm drinking a latte with Bailey's in it. Bailey's is a great drink to have. Anytime you wake up, or if it's in the afternoon and you need to play a beer league hockey game later and you need some energy, it goes great with your espresso.
0: Bailey's. <sighs> I mean, one of these companies have to step up and sign us. You know, we are available. We are the Phil Kessel of podcasts. It is after training camp and no one is giving us a dime and it's a goddamn shame. Thanks for getting us. Where you got us <laughs> from? Whether it was Spotify or Apple, this has been episode 98 of off the rush. The Connor Bedard. The better Connor, the Connor with personality, the Connor that doesn't whine and complain at referees. Edition of Off the Rush, and next next episode. Oh, that's the big one. It's a big one. It's the, one. A, it's the, the great will, one. It's the, the Will next, Paymon, next the be will Paymon be episode. Will Paymon episode. It's that's gonna be a, a double episode. I'm warning you guys right now because we'll do a regular podcast, and then I do want to, you know, give a lot of time to the greatest number 99 in sports history, Wilf Paymont of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Keep your sticks on the ice and your jerseys tucked into the left side of your pants. Have a good night, everybody.
2: (laughs) Good times, boys. Alan, glad you can make it.
0: Yeah, good times. All right.